friends and welcome back to the Holistic Nutritionist Podcast. I'm Natalie Douglas and today we are speaking all about iodine. So that might sound at face value a little bit boring, but it is very interesting, I promise. And if it's not interesting, then it's at least useful and relevant to all of you that are listening because we all need iodine. And I have seen enough iodine test results from thousands of patients now to know that we definitely have an iodine deficiency problem um, that I don't feel like is getting enough attention. And so I really wanted to share this episode with you as a more of like a practical thing that you can come back to in relation to how to get your iodine tested because the reality is it's not a perfect test. So before we jump into that, what I want to first just go over super briefly is why iodine is so important. So it is, for those of you who aren't aware what it is, it is basically a mineral that is important in thyroid health for starters. So the way that it works in thyroid health is it is basically like one of the building blocks of your thyroid hormones. So if you don't not, you don't have enough iodine, there's no way you're going to be able to make enough thyroid hormone. It's kind of like not having enough of a certain ingredient to make a recipe. And it's as simple as that when it comes to iodine and thyroid health in that way. Now, how that may present is, yes, certainly in not having enough thyroid hormones when you test them via a blood test, so not having enough T4 or T3, which are the two thyroid hormones. Sometimes it will present in having a ratio of T4 to T3 that is do find it clinically helpful and you can also look at your own blood test results and see if this is happening is that there tends to be an overconversion to T3 so that that means that the ratio then becomes less than three to one. Now the caveat to this is that if you're taking thyroid hormone medication that contains T3, that contains um, that specific hormone, then it isn't as reliable to use that ratio. So I wouldn't necessarily place too much emphasis on that. The other thing that it can present as is as thyroid nodules or a goiter, an enlarged thyroid gland. And so if that is you, if you do sit in that camp, it's not the only cause, but it certainly is a big red flag to me and it should be to you and your practitioner that someone needs to be running some iodine testing on you. The other areas where iodine is super important is in your immune system. And also with your hormones, with your reproductive system. So we know that iodine actually helps you to be less reactive, so to speak, to your own estrogen. So that's really important to know because sometimes what can happen is that you may be reacting to what is a normal amount of estrogen in your body in a way that we would expect someone to react when they have excess estrogen. So you might have, you know, a lot of fluid retention, a lot of PMS or boobs, heavy periods, painful periods, and you might make the assumption that it's just because I have too much estrogen. And if that's not backed up by testing, as if when you test your estrogen, if it isn't elevated or when your practitioner tests estrogen, if it isn't elevated, then something to consider like is obviously your your symptoms and if they're matching up with what we'd expect to happen when there is excess estrogen or 
estrogen um, excess relative to progesterone, then it's really important that we actually have a look and we see, well, are you just having an issue with how sensitive you are to the amount of estrogen that is in your body, generally speaking? So looking at your iodine levels can help give us a little, div- a little bit of insight into that. We also know that iodine is helpful in preventing um, breast cancer and is also helpful in preventing fibroids, so uterine fibroids and um, fibrocystic breast disease as well. So another, you know, super important reason why we need to consider iodine in our general health checkups and workups. The other thing that's really fascinating that you know, is something that I was forced into finding out because I had had some patients coming to see me where we'd done some ultrasounds and looking at their ovaries and looking at their uterus and we had seen that their ovaries were presenting as polycystic. So a lot of you may be familiar with the term polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS, right? Now, polycystic ovaries, as in many cysts, that's what poly means, many cysts on the ovaries can be present without you having polycystic ovarian syndrome. Now, like one of the differentiating factors or not differentiating factors, but one of the reasons that you can have many cysts on your ovaries or polycystic ovaries that is not related to polycystic ovarian syndrome, so not related to PCOS, is hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is when your brain stops communicating to your ovaries and you are no longer experiencing a menstrual cycle. So that's one thing that can be the cause. But then if you don't fit into that box and you also don't fit into the box of PCOS based on other blood tests of your hormones and of your clinical symptoms, then the other thing that can be happening is that your the many cysts that are appearing on your ovaries or the polycystic appearance that is coming up when you're getting a scan done can be caused by an iodine deficiency. So again, another reason to make sure that when you're working with a practitioner that all these things are being investigated. Okay, next up and lastly, the other area where iodine is incredibly important, which I am very, very passionate about bringing some awareness to, is in pregnancy, in preconception care. So not only is it important because we need to actually have adequate iodine levels for optimal thyroid function, it's also important because we need adequate iodine in order for our baby's brain to develop and grow properly. And it's not something that you should kind of just be aware of when you become pregnant because a lot of that neurological and brain development happens in those really early stages of pregnancy. And it's not going to be realistic to optimize your iodine levels just within, you know, a few weeks, especially if you are quite deficient, which in my experience, a lot of women that I'm testing certainly are, and it takes time for those iodine levels to come back up. It's completely possible, but it's something that I insist on being one of the tests I do with my preconception care patients as a general Workup. It's a non-negotiable. It must be done because it is one of the easiest things to correct, the simplest things to correct. And, you know, 
Yes, sometimes we can get it covered by Medicare and the doctor will agree to test it and sometimes we can't. But even if it is ends up being an out-of-pocket expense, it's a really small investment for knowing that you are setting your child up and yourself up for adequate iodine levels, which are going to have really positive impacts on both of your health. Okay, so now I want to chat about how or what the different types of iodine tests there are out there and which one to choose, why to choose it, and also how to go about making it a little bit more accurate. So when it comes to iodine testing, the very first thing you need to know is that it is absolutely not a perfect test. It is not without its um, shortcomings, but at this point in time, we kind of have to use what we've got until we've got something better or more accurate. And whenever you're getting a test interpreted by your practitioner or if you're doing it yourself, then it's really important to remember that context matters, as in how you feel, how the rest of your blood tests look, all tell a story. And that should always come into account when you're interpreting what your iodine reading is. So there are two tests available generally speaking, that are commonly referred to, and that is a random urinary iodine sample and a 24-hour urinary iodine collection. So first up, with the random urinary iodine test, it is literally, as the name suggests, a random sample of your urine to test for the amount of iodine that is present in there. It's generally a reflection of recent intake, but can give us a pretty good idea about what is going on in the body, provided that we take into consideration a few things beforehand and also correct the iodine level for how concentrated the urine is, which don't stress, talk about it in one moment. So whenever we are trying to increase the accuracy of a random urinary iodine test, there are a few things we need to do. So first of all, it's really important to avoid any iodine-rich foods for about three to four days, I say, and I'm being very conservative, but about three to four days before you actually have that urine test. So iodine-rich foods being seaweed, sea vegetables, so like sushi, those nori sheets, um, any kind of dulse flakes that you might be adding to different salads or um, recipes that you're using. It also includes any like standard bread. So in Australia, all bread that's kind of sold in the supermarket with the exception of organic bread is fortified with iodized sea salt. So avoiding that, also avoiding any iodized sea salt and avoiding any supplements you might be taking that contain iodine. So those of you on prenatals, they will often contain iodine and just checking other different um yeah, different supplements you might be taking to ensure there's no iodine-rich foods in there like kelp and there's also no iodine itself. And if there is, avoiding those for about four days prior to the test. The other thing that's important to do that I recommend for my patients to do as well is avoiding large amounts of goitrogenic vegetables. So you can Google what they are, but some common examples are like broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, um, Brussels sprouts, those kind of things, because what they do is they can basically inhibit the uptake of iodine into the thyroid gland or they can bind up iodine. So all we're trying to do is eliminate as many variables as we can so that what we are seeing is as accurate as possible. 
The next thing that's really important is that you do the test fasting first thing in the morning. So no food, you can have water, no supplements, no medications. If you're on thyroid medication, don't take the thyroid medication before you do the test. Take it with you to the lab and do it afterwards. And then the next thing is to make sure that once you do have the test results, or actually rewind, when you're asking for a random urinary iodine test, ensure that your doctor also asks for a a urinary creatinine with that. So a creatinine is basically a measure or allows us to measure how concentrated or dilute your urine is. And that's important because otherwise we get false negatives or false positives, which we do not want. So Provided that you've done all that prep, you've done the fasting, you've avoided the iodine-rich foods and the goitrogens and the supplements, and you have asked for a urinary creatinine with your random urinary iodine test, the next thing you need to do is when you actually get the results, if it hasn't already done this for you, which you'll be able to see it on the form if it has, then you need to apply, you have to use a formula. I'm sorry, I'm going to get you to do some maths and your practitioner should do this with you. I do this for my patients. I don't make them do it. But if it's something that you need to do yourself, then so be it. We've all done some general maths or can just enter it into a calculator. So the formula is iodine in micrograms, that's important, divided by creatinine in millimoles, that's important, times 8.85. And that should give you your corrected iodine level. Now, when we're talking about that level coming out, we want to make sure that for optimal health, it's a bare, bare, bare minimum of 100. If you are um, trying to conceive or you are pregnant or you are even thinking about becoming pregnant in the next you know, year to five years, then I would recommend that you get it up to a minimum of 150. So it does take time for those iodine levels to correct. So I'm not going to give any recommendations on how much iodine to take because that is something that should be individualized to you based on whether or not you have any thyroid issues, based on how deficient it is, and based on what else is going on for you. But please do not go mega dosing yourself with iodine. Iodine should always be had at a low dose and increased gradually where appropriate. Don't go mega dosing with iodine. So no Lugol solution, no milligram doses of iodine unless you are specifically being guided by a practitioner or you can create a problem where there wasn't one. So the other test that is sometimes used by practitioners is a 24-hour urinary iodine test. And basically, this is where you, um, you, you first of all, like get rid of the first morning pee that you've got stored up there. Then you're given a 50 milligram dose of iodide or iodine, um, and which is, by the way, bloody huge and, in my opinion, not a good idea. And then you're required to collect all of your urine for 24 hours. Yes, friends, every last drop. So if you are iodine deficient, then theoretically you'll hold on to a larger amount of iodine. And if you are iodine sufficient, as in you have enough, you'll excrete rather majority of the iodine. So there's a few things or a few reasons why I don't necessarily use this test. 
One is that a lot of my patients, for starters, have thyroid issues and have elevated thyroid antibodies, and you do not want to be taking mega doses of iodine like what is provided in that test if you have thyroid antibodies, particular thyroglobulin antibodies. The second thing I don't really, I'm not a big fan of it like for is, you know, I don't know about you, but collecting my urine for 24 hours, like I'm bound to miss like a sneaky pee in there. And that is definitely going to, you know, skew the results a little bit. And the other thing is that there has been some research saying that or disproving its accuracy in terms of, you know, it it not necessarily being as valid as one might think. So, I mean, if you've got a practitioner that's using it and they're confident using it, they're getting lots of results with it and they can justify it and um, you're, don't, you don't have thyroid issues, then, you know, each to their own. But if you're asking for my opinion, which <laughs> you're not because I'm just talking at you, but I'm just going to assume you're here because you want my opinion, then I would say stick with the random urinary iodine test. The other thing that's really important is when you're retesting iodine, please make sure you do it at the same time of day in the same circumstances because we're trying to compare apples with apples, not apples with pears or bananas or any other fruit that you can think of. We're just trying to compare like with like. So I hope that provides some information for you. The other thing I just forgot to mention is um, when I when I said the optimal levels there, so uh, you know, ideally around 150. The units for that is 150 micrograms per milliliter. So again, important because if you are listening, for those of you based in the UK or the US, you will need to convert that, um, and that's just important to be aware of. So I hope that that gives you some information around testing iodine, why it's important and how to go about interpreting the results alongside your practitioner. And if you have any follow-up questions, I'm so more than happy to answer them. Flick me a DM on Instagram and I'm always adding more of your questions to a list that I have going in relation to the podcast because I love providing you guys with information that is usable and practical and actually answers your questions. While you, while I have you with me, I would so love and appreciate if you could go and leave a rating and review on the podcast. As you know, if you listen to podcasts, you will understand that it does actually help the podcast reach more people and allow us to therefore help more people. And finally, I wanted to also let you know that we have some really exciting interviews rolling out in the next few months. So keep an eye out. And if this episode has helped you and you feel like it can help someone you know, please share it with them and get the message out around iodine and all of the amazing things it does. I will speak to you all very soon.